Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Corycast. My guest today is my brother, Chris Smith. I'm sure everyone that knows him will agree that Chris has an uh, infectious ability to spread positivity and good vibes. He constantly motivates me as well as many other people at Taikai to train hard but also have fun while doing so. Chris has been big into the hardcore straight edge scene for a long time, playing drums for many different bands. We went over his love for martial arts and music. I gotta say, Chris is a special guy, and I know I've said this before, but he really is the salt of the earth. One of the nicest dudes I know. I love this guy, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. So now we're live. Chris, how the fuck is what the fuck is up, dude? What's up? What's cracking? Just chilling. Thanks for doing this, first of all. Absolutely. Uh, so we've been friends since when? Since uh, you started training Muay Thai when? Uh, around 2012. I okay. believe it was 2012. 2012. I started at Taikai. Started at Taikai. So what made you want to do martial arts? Um, a friend of mine that I was actually in a band with, Keith. Alan, yep, Keith um, Allen, who sang for my band at the time. He was doing jujitsu. Yes, yep. He was doing jujitsu and told me that I had to come check it out. Um, and him and his girlfriend were doing fitness kickboxing too. So I went and checked out jujitsu and went to a fitness kickboxing class with them. And after that, I was kind of just sold. It was fun. Yeah. So it was uh, a friend that got you into it, basically. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Was there? Um, like, why Muay Thai and not Jiu-Jitsu? Was there a different aspect? Was there just something that seemed more intriguing? I actually really liked both. Um, but at the time, we were doing band practice two days a week or at least once a week. And it conflicted with the regular Jiu-Jitsu class. Or I would try to make, you know, striking one day, Jiu-Jitsu another time. But then I ended up just liking striking more. So I kind of just stuck with that. Mm-hmm. Is there a uh, uh, like a fight that sticks out in your mind that kind of triggered, like solidified you wanting to do Muay Thai more than Jiu Jitsu? Because um, I know you love watching fights like I do. I do like watching fights. I actually, the thing that made me want to try Muay Thai was the fitness kickboxing time ended and the Muay Thai guys would come in right after into that same room and I would always be like, man, these dudes look badass. Right. I gotta check this out and like I kept wanting to check it out but I didn't want to be the weirdo standing in the corner yeah. so I was like I gotta just check it out sometime and I think I ended up just staying one day after fitness kickboxing and was like I'll just see what they do and like try it mm-hmm. and then I loved it so I just stuck it's with it it's that first step right yeah. it's like after I remember the first day that I did Muay Thai was cause uh, cause Mike got me Spoochie's got me yeah. into it and uh, him and Eric used to just beat me up all the time. And we, <laughs> so I would watch fights. I was watching fights all the time with Mike and Eric. And uh, for me, the fight that made me want to do Muay Thai was Anderson Silva versus Forrest Griffin. That's and awesome. that was back in 2009. It was, uh, I remember it being February, and I was going to be graduating. And I was like, from that fight on, I was like, Mike, I need to do Muay Thai. Yeah. I was like, this is what Muay Thai is. And I remember Mike being like, well, it's not really what Muay Thai is. But 
his striking's based on Muay Thai. I'm yeah. like, done, sold. I want to <laughs> I mean, do it. Yeah. So it's like for me, it was like that one fight that solidified me wanting to do Muay Thai, mm-hmm. which is cool because it's like, it's the last podcast I talked with Sean about mindfulness. Yeah. So it's it has that link in it, which I never really thought of till I talked to her about. Because when you're in the moment and you're doing sparring, you're only thinking about <laughs> yeah. what's going on. Or you get punched in the face. Or you get punched in the face, yes. especially there's there's just so many good people at Taikai. Yeah. Right? So, like, when you are in class, do you, now that you're an instructor, what motivates you to keep coming back? Because obviously after instructor level, there's uh, Ajahn level, right? Yep. Um, so what is it that you do to keep active and keep motivated to come i like to try to go in with a personal goal first so i like to try to go to class with something in mind that i still feel like i need to work on so even with instructing i still feel like there's always something that i want to be better at either faster hit harder be better with my combos footwork Mm -hmm. like i'll always go to class with at least something in mind that i want to focus on so that's still intrigues me to be there but also like breaking down stuff for other people is also fun or like motivating other people like someone had else done for me you know what Mm -hmm. I mean so it makes me want to be there because I get that energy to give out but also I get it back from people too so it's like that give and take of it makes me stoked to see other people stoked (laughs) yeah it's good to see it's good to see people who are like you got to see them yeah on their first day yeah and now people like uh, like Connor, yeah, Connor's really like upped his game since since when he first started. Yep. So it's cool watching that kind of progression. Yeah. Um, are there certain people you look to towards motivation to kind of keep going? Um. Well, you are an awesome training partner. So oh, that's first. My head's big enough, dude. God, he's blushing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kyle and James. Um, they're always fun to train with because they'll always like push my pace, which a lot of people won't because I'm either a giant person or uh, they don't want to hold pads. So yeah. it's rare for people to push back or like make me, you know, challenge myself. So it's fun yeah. when like those kind of people are in class. And then even new people, I've had a good time with sparring new people because they don't quite have the refined technique that you're used to. Mm-hmm. So, so something crazy could happen. Yeah, like I find myself having a harder time with people that aren't as good because I don't know what to expect or they don't even know what they're going to do. So sometimes it gets wilder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that can be more fun right. or challenging at least, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's still fun for me to – I still always love being there. Yeah. It's the uh, – I think back like my parents' day or maybe my grandparents' day – church was the sense of community right mm-hmm. that was where you you kind of work in a factory and then you sundays you get to see yeah. you get to see everybody at church and i think now it's that it's shifted where now it's martial arts gyms or like i think a lot of people find community in mm-hmm. uh like crossfit gyms yeah or knitting club or a book club i think yeah. there's different avenues it's uh, almost like which finding kind of cool. your place to be like that's where i feel the most comfortable being myself sometimes like I can go there on a great day and I can be the stoked motivator I can go there when like work sucked and I can go and get motivated (laughs) yeah right like you go there on a bad day yeah people people pump you up and get you motivated yeah so it's like 
it just feels right to be there most of the time, you know? Yeah. Do you have a favorite fighter that you like to either imitate or kind of like model some stuff that they do for your own? I love John Wayne Parr because he's hilarious yeah. and because he's vicious. Like everything yeah. he throws is with like full intent. Him and Buakau are my favorite to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watch their highlight videos when I go to the gym and like yeah. <laughs> sit on the get you pumped, yeah right? sit on uh, something for cardio and just like watch their highlights to get stoked. Yeah. You know, Senchai and um, John Wayne Parr both share something in common. When they train, they're nothing but smiles and yeah. laughter, and I appreciate the hell out yeah. of somebody <laughs> who's like that. You know what I mean? Like who, when they train, they're just giggling, they're having a good time, they're just like yeah. kind of having, even if like. They get tagged with something. They'll show a video where they get swept, and then they stand up, like, Haha, and they show courtesy. They yeah. touch gloves, and then they're right back at it. And yeah. that's what, that's what I respect. And they're both forty. Yeah. Let's be honest. They're forty, still doing yeah. boy time, right? <laughs> they're over the age of having to like look tough. Yeah, or, yeah, like, yeah. Look like the hard ass in the gym that's right. like trying to be there and be like, I'm the guy. Yeah, right. 100%. It's like, no, they are the guy. No, you but are. They're having fun. Yeah, right. And that, and I think that's the best part about. Muay Thai for me is that it's more now it's like when you're an instructor it's more for me about just having fun and mm-hmm. my focus has shifted now towards other people I yeah. guess it's like I used to get satisfaction in getting to the next belt rank but now that we're we're pretty much already there it's like I try to shift my focus and be like well I find comfort in knowing that I get to improve so-and-so's game. Yeah. Like, it's almost like the perspective switched. Yeah, absolutely. But you got to remind yourself that you got to have fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, <laughs> that's why I like, like, when I teach on Fridays, I really try hard to try to make it fun. That's why we put, like, mm-hmm. I have Lizzo in my playlist. Like, yep. people just start giggling and laughing. Like, I, w- I want that kind of energy because I think that brings out the best in people and also... I want them to come back next week. I want to sh- I want them to show Absolutely. that it is a party, yeah. right? You got me saying party time because <laughs> of you, feels right? Right, you, and that's what I like about you. you. Always like have a a positive spin on things. Where did you did you always kind of have that perspective on things or not really? Like with training, I think is done the best for me as far as positivity because I've always had it as an outlet like on good days or bad days like you still have that same place that you can go and it always would end up being like my happy place you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like if work was annoying I could go there if like anything in life happens you go and you get to like unleash and let it all out Mm -hmm. there and I always left happy and then I'd always meet people that I was like this is awesome. Like, I love yeah. being here. Like, even if I had a crappy day and I'd go in there and you'd be like, what's up, dude? And then I'd be stoked to be there because right. you had a good attitude. And then I, like, Can't I'd be pumped to be there. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then when I'm there all week having that outlet, it's, I feel great all week. So now. Isn't it weird when you don't train for, yeah. like, a week? I oh, feel like miserable. I'm a different person. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm so, like. Someone says something I'm like shut up, like, like I snap at people when yep. when I don't train for a while. Yeah, it feels good to have that outlet all the time, and it's there whenever you want. It, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like I try to be there as much as I can, as consistent as I can, because I know it's good for me, and I know that's what keeps my head level. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it's my outlet that I know that I need. So I try to use it as it's like medicinal. Like you got to yeah. be there. 
to know that you're going to be cool all week, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. It's, it's a, uh, just a practice. Yeah. It helps you. I don't, I don't think many people get any forms of aggression out nowadays, no. right? Like, I don't think anybody's... <laughs> I know that when I was working in retail, it was probably the most stressful times I would have when I was managing the store. Mm-hmm. You have so many moving parts and so many people that are... You're basically... When you're a store manager, you don't you don't run a store. You kind of just put out mm-hmm. fires and control people's yeah. emotions and drama towards each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> so then then you like you bottle their emotion up, and then it was always for me. It was nice to go to Tai Kai or uh, and do Jiu Jitsu or Muay Thai and kind of get that release out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was kind of like a way for me to be like, oh. yeah. maybe I'd have a hard time getting to Tai Kai. Like I remember, there's people we train with who still are like. Man, I don't know if I want to go today. I'm yep. having a hard time with motivation. But those are the days that I I never regret oh, going absolutely. in there. So if I f- can get myself in through the door yeah. and then I see Dennis's smiling face giving me a hug when I walk through the door, then it's like, oh, man, life's good. Yep. Life's good. It's, it's not a big deal. You know absolutely. what I mean? So it's kind of cool. So um, what's your favorite uh, – do you have, like, a favorite technique or go-to thing that you like to teach? Like, what's, like, uh-huh. one – one unit either it's like boxing or a certain combination or kickboxing something that you really love teaching i love seeing people get the kick like the kick for me is my favorite versus any other technique Mm -hmm. Uh, but when when i can help someone else refine their kick a little bit and see when someone's holding pads and you get that perfect pocket where like yeah. you thump someone and you can see the pad holder like falls back or you're like, Oh, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. Like you knock the wind out and then it's the like, gets that the gets pad me stoked. Kind of poop a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like when you find it where they're, they're throwing the kick and it feels kind of weak to them and then you, you fix it and then they feel powerful mm-hmm. and you can see their confidence shift, not just in their kick, but like in their own abilities. Like, yeah, not just the kick, but you can see that they're like, yeah, I can do that too. Or like if they see you or me hitting pads hard and going fast and they're like, oh, yeah, I can't get there yet. You know what yeah. I mean? And then you help them get there. Or you show them like one little detail that helps them get that kick and you're like, that's the one. And it gets me so stoked. Yeah, right. Because that's my favorite thing. So when other people do it too and they like, they feel what I feel, I'm like, I'm pumped too. Yeah, right. You kind of, again, going back to feeding off the energy, yeah. right? Yeah, that's... That's kind of what that class is all about. It's just feeding off each other's energy. Um, uh, out of all the seminars you've done, is there somebody that you feel like you learned the most or you took away the biggest thing from? From teaching or taking? Uh, just going to a seminar. Um, honestly, uh, Sifu, Kevin Seaman, anytime I've gone to his workshops, it's I still learn something new every time I go. And it's awesome to see other people get to have what we have on a daily basis. So, like, we have it good because we get to train with them all the time. So, like, going to a workshop or seminar somewhere else Mm -hmm. where they get to see things that we do, like, warm up the kick is like, whoa, that's so smart. Why didn't we think of shielding the foot? Like, as something as little as that that other people don't have all the time is cool for me and right. I know I refine my own technique better every time I've gone to something like that mm-hmm. and that's always been fun for me and I've traveled a few times and gotten to go to a couple different ones and every time it's still like this is awesome I get yeah. stoked on it all over again yeah 
it's cool because like when you do one of those seminars, whether it it be seafood cabins or um, I don't know, even Ajahn Chai and Greg Nelson, or it doesn't matter who you. We got Phil Miglarese coming up yeah. this weekend, and it's almost like it lights a fire inside of you, yeah. right? When you get back from a seminar, you're like, man, I kind of want to use what what we learned in that yeah. seminar because it's uh, it's like a motivating thing. It's mm-hmm. like Man, you you get kind of fired up about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I'll never forget like, when I took uh, uh, Greg Nelson's seminar. It changed my uppercut game a hundred percent, tenfold, because he just said the one thing that resonated with me the most. Like I know, I, and Sifu said it to me many times. Like when you throw your uppercut, you ride the back of your hand up their stomach to their chest. Boom, you find their chin. If you aim for the chin, mm-hmm. you can kind of hook in. Yeah. And he said it to me a hundred times. But maybe it's just the change in setting and the change in tone or person or yeah. what that kind of makes it yep. click differently. It's kind of weird how that happens. Because you can walk away from an Ajahn Chai seminar, and even though Sifu's ingrained it in our head a yeah. hundred times, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to start keeping my hands open. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so someone else of, yells it at you. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe, I don't know. I think it's just, uh, I think people have like, different languages yeah. almost when they teach right because it's different and I think for me like going to another school where you have a different set of eyeballs on you where yeah. you know people look at you or even when you're doing a technique that you've done a million times but you're under different eyeballs like you might focus more on a detail that you never did before you're just kind of like almost like complacent because we do it mm-hmm. all the time yeah right so redoing you know techniques over and over again right but having like just that one little detail or one thing where you're like oh yeah i have to do this better Mm -hmm. you know other people are watching you that are like oh how's he doing it you know you kind of pick up different stuff too yeah when you get to travel and and go to different schools that's what that's what i like about traveling too you get to especially you know muay thai i've done a couple times but i think i've traveled and gone to different jujitsu school some more so it's it's cool seeing what the standard is for different schools. Oh, absolutely. What different, like, go-to routines and in, in series schools have. And even, like, you could even do classes. Like, Joe's class might have a different flow than yep. somebody else's. You know what I mean? So, like, every person's got a different flow and routine yeah. to everything, which is kind of cool. Um, I, know, I know you lost a ton of weight. Was that doing part of Muay Thai, or was Muay Thai kind of like the gas to the fire? Like the fire was already started, and just kind of made it roll downhill even more. So I was really heavy in high school. I weighed the heaviest I remember weighing was three fifteen, which is crazy now. I've seen old pictures of you, yeah, dude. It's so you weird. Are a different human. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, that was in high school. So like after high school, I got a labor job and I was working overnight so I started losing weight because I was just doing physical stuff I had never done before yeah and I did that for a year and I ended up like getting a lot of weight moving and I started to go to the gym with some friends and I was like motivated to start working out because stuff actually started to happen you know what I mean so I finally got movement or momentum or realized how much weight I had actually put on (laughs) so once I started losing weight it felt awesome and I really enjoyed the gym because that was my outlet at the time yeah so I it ended up cutting down almost 50 pounds just going to the gym and working overnights doing labor and then so you're losing weight when you started Muay Thai and that kind of like Muay Thai was just 
the gas on the fire. Yeah, I got like a big plateau with the gym, so I was kind of stuck at that like. I was like around 255-ish, I think, when I started Taikai, and I was like getting bored with the gym, just mm-hmm. didn't really have fun with it anymore, just kind of right. doing like the same things over and over again and plateaued, so that's why I was interested when Keith asked to go. I was like, this sounds like something fun to do, yeah. different. Right. And then when I went, I remember the first class I ever did was fitness kickboxing, and I was like, I left, and I was like, I think I'm going to puke in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I never would push myself that hard at the gym to want to barf yeah and i was like but i came here and, and i had a friggin' awesome time mm-hmm. and i felt like that was the hardest i'd ever been pushed so i was like yeah. this is so cool yeah and then i just kept going back and then did jujitsu i did a little bit of boxing and then it started to come off like you know five ten pounds at a time over time and i know like when we did our fights i was around 230 and that gave me the first real goal to ever like cut to a certain number. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I never really fought at had two thirty, two ten, two ten. So I was two thirty when Team they American announced all the fight. Bite, bro. <laughs> yeah, wake up like a mo. <laughs> <laughs> so I was two thirty ish when they announced the fights, and then ended up cutting to two oh nine. I weighed in that day, so that was the first time I ever had like a number that I was like, I have to reach this number or I can't yeah. fight. Right. So that was the first time I had really had a serious number in mind mm-hmm. ever where, you know, I had to reach one thing where before I was just like, I wanted to keep losing weight because it felt awesome and like buying smaller clothes felt awesome from being like a that was a reward <laughs> enough. Yeah. But now you have like number yeah. or something to go after. And I never really had that before, like nothing in mind, you know, so yeah. I just kind of was like losing weight was cool, like feeling great working out was cool, but never had a real goal yeah. until the fights and then having that goal and then finally getting to it and then doing those fights was like the ultimate payoff for all that yeah, you know right so what did you do to, to drop the 210 what are you at right now uh 220s okay hovering a little uh, yeah. husky for my size <laughs> <laughs> like 215s my ideal weight of comfort like i feel wicked lean mm-hmm. uh but fast enough strong enough at that weight where i feel good you know yeah so for my frame that feels right for me um 210 was that was a little tough was that a hard cut <laughs> uh only because i we only had like around a month ish yeah. i think yeah that sounds about right yeah it was like four weeks five so weeks it was like or around a month to lose that much weight so i just started cutting out all the garbage and mm-hmm. were i did a ton of cardio and then i did a, like a little bit of a water cut which i didn't even know what i was doing at the time so i was just like yeah. <laughs> you know, figure like it out. You're like, I've been drinking three yeah. years. <laughs> I'll Google it. You this can't will even work. spit into a cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I ended up weighing just the right amount for that. And then, so that worked for the fight. But What kind of, like, relief that oh, must yeah. have been, right? When you finally got on the scale and it was like, oh, 210, finally. <laughs> right? The day before, I remember I was 215 when I got to the hotel and I was like, there's no way I'm going to tell Sifu I didn't make weight. Yeah, right. I was like, I'm not right. doing it. Yeah, 100%. So I, I went down and I, I actually got on an elliptical and just like with a hoodie and sweat a bunch. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to drink anything, eat anything. And then I woke up the next morning at 2.10 on the nose. Mm. So then, didn't eat anything that day? No, not until no. weigh-ins. No, nope. then weigh-ins happened and, and then then you... I was I a pound read. under and I was like, give me some water. <laughs> and then we all decided that it would be a good idea to... To eat most, right? Worst idea of my life. 
And then I was like, I'm starving. Let's get burritos and chips. Oh, my God, dude. That was so funny. I remember us, we were in line, and then Brad, Brad's eating, like, sardines out of a can. Do you remember that? Yeah, oysters. Gator. Oysters, yeah. He's oysters. like, these are great for testosterone. And I was like... That's terrifying. You're like, yeah, right, nerd. I'm eating this huge-ass burrito. Yeah, I can't wait to throw up later. Yeah. <laughs> I remember after eating at most, the second I finished my meal, I was like, why did we do that? Oh, yeah. I was like, we got to fight in four <laughs> hours. Why did we do that? And usually people weigh in the day before. and then you Yeah, can... we weighed the day up. Right? Yeah, so yeah. that was so weird for us because we had never had to do that. So yeah. for me... I didn't know any better. I was just right. like, yeah, we got to eat. So, like, yeah. let's just go get food. Right, right. You're like, I don't care. I weigh 209. Yeah, I fight, we fight in, like, six hours. We're good. Yeah, not a- <laughs> <laughs> Two home wreckers, please, for yeah. one person. <laughs> How much queso you got in there? I'm yeah. starving. Right, during the fight, you're just sweating cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awful. Well, how did you feel leading up to the fight, right? Because you were – were you on – like, it, the card was split in half, right? So, yeah. I think I, I think I was the first fight after the break. Yeah. Right. So it was us first, and then were you after me? You were a couple fights after, right? I was the tenth of twelve fights okay, because yeah. we were the only heavyweights. Right. So and it was a slow fest. <laughs> so being the only uh, big boys on the card, we went late. So and I didn't know that either. So like eating that early eating the Moe's, which was not amazing, yeah. and then being like, I don't actually know the real time frame when we're going to fight, so right. like, should I eat again later, yeah. should I just like chill, should you not eat? and then, yeah, so it was the first time for, it was a big learning experience to know like what to do, you yeah. know? Yeah, especially, bro, I did zero research yeah. on <laughs> what I should be doing beforehand, I'm just like, oh, yeah. I'm just like, bad. Ah, eat Moe's, I feel okay, I'm drinking water, I'm like shadow boxing after, I'm like... I remember the fights went kind of late, and I remember yeah. being starving. But I mm-hmm. couldn't I couldn't tell if it was nerves or if it was starvation. Yeah. But so that moment for you was there a moment in the fight that sticks out when you had your first fight that you were like, "Oh my god, this is real. This is happening." Was as there- soon as I got punched in the face. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like. This is not time sparring. Like, holy crap. That was so fast. And then instantly being like, I am not protecting my head as well as I think. And like, for me, I wear contacts, so I couldn't wear contacts there. So it was blurry and noisy and so fast. It was like sensory overload. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I was like... Everybody's screaming yeah. at you. Everybody's yelling, <laughs> Chris, go Chris. And then you're wearing a stupid padded helmet oh, and you're God. like, you can't hear anything. It's 100 degrees. The worst. So I, I tried to remember to listen for Dennis. Yeah. And just being like, all I can hear is screaming. It just sounded like you're in a gymnasium anyway. Yeah, but right. just being like, there's no way I can focus on like one voice while I'm trying to not get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's whenever we talk about that, I always have this go-to story that... Because we have the fights recorded and they mic'd up Dennis. Oh, yeah. there, I remember this moment in the fight because Dennis was saying, throw a right kick and I want you to follow with a hook. Yep. Right? So because he was dropping his hands. He would shield and he was dropping his hands. So I remember in the fight, I threw a switch kick and a <laughs> hook. and I mean, whatever I thought was a hook. Yeah. And I remember at that moment saying in my head, hell yeah, this is going great. I remember I'm doing everything Dennis wants me <laughs> yep. to do. And then when Kearns put the video together and put it out, I'm watching it. 
And I'm like, I'm not even doing what Dennis is saying. Oh and he God. told me to throw a cross, and here I am. I'm like <laughs> in law picking daisies on the in the fucking corner. <laughs> I hate watching it now because Dennis was also mic'd up for me. Yeah. And he's yelling to keep my hands up. And at the time, like, you're wearing headgear, so you can't feel where your hands are. Yeah. And I thought my hands were up until I started getting cracked in the face yeah. and then he's like put your hands up put your hands up. he's not listening <laughs> my favorite part of the whole yeah, thing yeah. is he's just like he's not listening at all yeah, right right <laughs> so watching it now is like it's painful because it's like oh yikes do you get nervous when you watch it no i you know what's funny is i actually still watch it when i'm at the gym or if i'm doing cardio and i need some sort of motivation like it really? still gives me chills but i also hate watching it because it's so bad now? You don't you don't even think that's you. No, it's weird. Right? It's like watching you know, you're watching yourself and you're like, What are you doing? <laughs> like yeah. you're not guarding anything, you're not right. shielding, you're not moving, like I was reaching for everything and like in the day to day training now, like I would never do those things, but it was also four years ago or almost five years ago, yeah. which is weird to think about now. Right, because you're a totally different person and a different fighter than you were <laughs> when you did that, and right? Even after that, I was like I have a lot to work on before I would ever want to do that again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that was a good experience for me to say, like, where do I have gaps, but what did I do well? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where that was kind of hard at that time. Like, same thing. Like, I didn't really have a goal other than, like, I was like, I want to fight and test myself. But I didn't have anything in particular that I needed to work on or knew that I needed to work on until that fight. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to work on my defense. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of funny how... In the moment, those things just fall apart. Yeah. Right? Like, you think... I remember... I remember... With that, how long were those fights? Five years ago? Six yeah. years ago? Almost five years ago now. Bro, I remember going on a fight so cocky. Like, bro, I got... Like, I got this. <laughs> I've been training train since 2009. I got, I got this. And it's... The second you get hit... Oh, absolutely. You're like... This is what different. Do do? <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. He hits really hard. <laughs> and I remember we did a lot of hard pads and a lot of, like, time sparring, but nothing ever, like, we weren't smashing each other around, you know, to get ready like that. Mm -hmm. And then the first, he came out through a huge kick, and I shielded just, like, subconsciously it just kind of happened, and then he blasted me, and I was just like holy crap, I have to get my hands up or I have to like be on offense but also protect myself. And I definitely wasn't ready for that pace, which was also funny because I remember someone else fought right before me and like our whole team was out watching and I was in the locker room and I'm like, guys, <laughs> where is everybody? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Uh, should I be warming up? And then I remember Mike Spooches came back and was like, hey, you ready? And I'm like, no. I was like, what am I, like, right now? And he's like, we should get you on pads. And I was like, oh, man, this is happening. Yeah, right, right. I was like, like, is this really happening? Oh, my God. I'm like, I'm not even close to warmed up. I was just sitting. I know. He, I got to say, man, I love, Mike has been in my corner for every one of my fights. And to have somebody that's, like, you res even just having, like, mm -hmm. a familiar body. Like, I know you're you're really good friends with Kyle. Yeah. So, like, having Kyle in your corner. I don't, yeah. I don't know what it is. It's like I had my coach, which was either Dennis or Seifu, and then I had my best friend Mike yeah. in my corner just not only because, like, he had this uncanny ability to kind of, like, 
bring me back yeah, to absolutely. the moment almost, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but also just to kind of have somebody that you really admire support you is kind of yeah. cool. And he did – I think Mike did a great job when he – was cornering those first fights because he was like, he was like, all right, who's next? Uh, you guys need pads? Let me go get my pads. Dude, I'll start. I will honestly up. say I didn't know him that well then. I only knew him from class, really. And like, he was so calming and like pulled me back in immediately. It was mm-hmm. like, let's just put you right on pads. And then as soon as yep. I started hitting pads, he's like, I don't want to get hit by that. Yeah. And like boosted my confidence a little bit, but knew how to. He like chilled me out mm-hmm. to where I didn't stress out. Yeah. But also, like, brought me right into, like, we're getting you ready. Like, you're going out there and we're going to do this kind right. of thing. Where, And it was awesome because I didn't really know him that well at the time. Yeah. But he crushed it. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. And then Dennis came in uh, right before we were going to go out. And, like, we ran a couple things on pads real quick. And then it was, like, go time. I was mm-hmm. like, holy crap, this is happening. It happened so fast. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like a... It's like a snowball effect. You're yeah. like, oh my god! And you're like, oh my god! I'm I'm yeah. three fights out. Oh my god! I'm warming oh, up. Yeah. And oh my god! Now I'm the yeah. next fight. From Moe's to fight From was Mo- a weird time frame. <laughs> <laughs> it was the longest and shortest time of I my know. life. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. From Moe's to fight. <laughs> so we just got. Oh man, that's so. Funny. Um, so shifting gears because yeah. I know you were uh, you're big in the music scene, and I know you've been in how many bands? Oh man. From when I first started playing music, probably, I'd say around 10. 10 years old? Uh, no, 10 different bands, probably. Oh, okay. I don't know why I was thinking age. I know oh, yeah. I asked the question, <laughs> how many bands you've been in. Yeah. So 10 different bands. Yeah, probably around 10 different bands. Because I've either filled in for bands, or some bands were not as long, you know, around yeah. as others. But When did you get into it? To like going to the shows and the whole, because you're like the hardcore scene's like a big part of your life, and yeah. that's the part about you I don't even know that much. Yeah. Like other than like maybe we ran into each other at one show in yeah. our life total, <laughs> everything else has been Muay Thai. Right? Yeah. So this like what I really want to do with this podcast was be able to talk about what the music meant to you because yeah. I don't even know that aspect of your life. So I first started going to shows when I was around 16, 17. Who was like the ones that got you out to um, go? I, I hung out with a couple kids that played in other bands, but uh, one kid actually showed me a band called Hatebreed. Um, the summer, I remember that it was the summer of ninth to 10th grade, and I was playing drums. Like I, I started playing drums when I was 16. My parents got me my first drum set. And That's I, like, beautiful. Always wanted to play drums. Like thought it would be cool. And they got me drums for Christmas one year. And I started to just like try and play along to stuff. Mm-hmm. I never did lessons. I just tried to play whatever I liked. You know what yeah. I mean at the time. So. Right. A lot of um, really simple Metallica beats that aren't complicated anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but I was like, I can handle this. Yeah. But um, you know, I started getting into like that kind of music or like Pantera. So I always liked heavier music that had that like aggression kind of or like the heavy distorted guitars. Always yeah. made me feel good. You know what I mean? Right. It just felt awesome. Get you pumped up. Yeah. So uh, when I first heard Hatebreed. I didn't even know that kind of music existed right. or anything that heavy. And I didn't know that there was even shows. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you knew bands played, but I always thought of bands or concerts as like these huge things. You A know? huge like, event. Yeah. Like yeah. 
uh, I remember when I was younger, like K Rockathons were like the big thing yeah. for, and that was the only music that I knew of that was like heavy music. I was like, hell yeah, Papa Roach, hell yeah, Papa, <laughs> hell yeah, freaking Benjamin, <laughs> trying to go watch these dudes slam. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like that was the heavy music back then that I knew of. I didn't even know like hardcore music existed, you know, mm-hmm. until like that. Um, and a couple friends of mine played in bands at, in high school, or uh, it was like junior highish that time. Uh, that's where like I met James Strandell actually. Yeah. And he was in a band, and I started playing with a couple friends from CNS, mm-hmm. and we were all in high school together. We all started playing music, and like, kind of started finding out that there was even smaller concerts or shows, yeah. you know. So there's a couple good venues in Syracuse, and I remember going to some little shows of like high school bands and like getting to see like Kyle was actually in a band at CNS uh, like two years before me. And they would do, like, Battle of the Bands, you know? And then, like, there'd be high school bands there, and it would be, like, a ska band. And then, like, holy crap, there's these crazy dudes whipping guitars around, like, playing this crazy music. And I was like, this is awesome! sweet. (laughs) So, like, I'd run into people like that, and then you'd start to find out, like, oh, there's a show this weekend. Because at that time, the internet wasn't And that was what I was going to say next was, so there was no Facebook, Spotify... MySpace, maybe. MySpace, not even yet. So not even me. MySpace. So I remember, you'd find out about a show from word of mouth, or someone mm-hmm. would say like, "Hey, my band's playing this weekend. Like, come check it out," you yeah. know. And then after getting into like playing with um, the kids I was playing with, my singer at the time, Mike Lapore's brother, uh, was like putting on shows and like involved in shows. So he. Um, he Mike would let me know like when there were shows or like another friend of mine would let me know and it would always be like this little web of people that all knew each other through other people and you'd only know by like word of mouth or a flyer yeah. like you wouldn't find out on Facebook like this event's happening this weekend yeah it was kind of hey, like Smith invited you to the hate yeah it was festival. almost like an intimate invite like it was only people there that kind of knew each other like you really didn't have like a lot of outsiders you know you'd go to a show there'd be a couple hundred people and like somehow everybody would know each other and it's very like, interesting like it made you feel welcome because you were almost like it was almost like invite only you know yeah. like you felt welcome there because someone wanted you to be there you yeah. didn't just show up on your own like this will be cool to check out you know yeah right so i remember that being like a good thing for me when i was younger because uh like i said in high school like i was I was a big dude, and, like, yeah. my self-esteem wasn't amazing. And right, like, so it's like, it was, like, perfect for the kids who didn't really feel like they fit in yeah. almost, right? Yeah, yeah that's, for me, like, I wasn't playing sports to, like, have that team mentality mm-hmm. or, like, atmosphere, you know? I didn't, I wasn't, like, a super popular kid to know everybody, but I knew some people from each kind of area. Yeah. Like, I had, uh, my best friend in high school was a football player, and he would introduce me to all of his football friends and was, like, always such a good dude that always... Like, had my back if, like, anybody would pick on me, but I wasn't a football player. You know what I mean? And then I would know people in the music scene from playing drums and playing in bands. And they were always, like, good people to me. And then I would know, like, random thug kids. And I'm like, I don't know how this works, but, like, I was always, like, I was always nice to other people. And, you know, I'd know people from different areas, but, like, I always felt the most at home with, like, the hardcore kids. Or, like, you know, going to shows like that. And the energy and atmosphere was, like nothing I had ever seen before you know like yeah when I was in school I didn't really I didn't really fit in with many people either so I I knew like and when you would go to a show everybody's enjoying a common thing nobody cared 
what color skin you were, what, yeah. what you were wearing. I mean, there were some catty people that would sit in the corner and be like, oh, he's, this kid's weird. But that's not, mm-hmm. that's not the focus of the show. The focus is you're here to watch... I'm trying to think like I we really would like I'd go see Four Year Strong, yeah. or, like any pop punk bands, you know what I yeah. mean. So set your goals, or you know, we're all here just enjoying the music. And for people who are kind of, I mean, we I didn't really have a ton of friends in yeah. high school. You know, I had like I had spooches, yeah. I had spooches, <laughs> and you know, my friend Bob and there I could think of probably enough to count on two hands. Yeah, was my total group of friends. So when you'd go to a show, you'd get to kind of relate with all these other people. Yeah, absolutely. Because we were all under that, like, like the one common goal. Um, were you always in the hardcore bands, or were you, like, in a ska band? Um, so the first music I played was kind of like that hard rocky kind of stuff like just to figure out how to play drums right so and it's always been drums right yeah. it's never been anything else uh i dabbled dab we'll, we'll come so, back to yeah. that so <laughs> I anyway, so only hardcore bands um you were I, just saying you played in a polka ska band god i wish <laughs> that'd be so cool <laughs> <laughs> True story. I did play trumpet. Off story. Oh my god, that's yeah, amazing. It's embarrassing. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll get off that. Uh, pretty much always either metal or hardcore bands. Uh, that's pretty much it. It's always been my style to play that like aggressive music. I never. I enjoy playing drums to just play drums, but it never like kept me as interested as it was like I was like I just want to smash drums and have that like big energy yeah. like. That's why I feel alive, you know what I mean? It's like someone plugs my charger in and I'm like freaking electric, you know? I just like, that's where I felt the most at home and it was weird. I never got super nervous playing shows, Uh, even big shows. Like when I was in high school, we would play all sorts of stuff. Like we could sell. You played like a festival, right? Like, yeah. Was the I Matter festival, was that a big festival? Yeah. I'm so angry with all this crap. That was one of the biggest shows I've played because it's it's a free festival yeah. and it's awesome. They put it on every year. It's free. Yeah. You could literally just walk in and they they book bands of all different calibers, like smaller local bands that hustle all year to mm-hmm. like huge touring bands that make you want to be there. And yeah. there ends up being thousands of people there yeah. that come just because it's free, you know? Right. Like, why wouldn't you go? What's like one of the biggest places you play for? Um, like you probably show, don't know a head count, but maybe you know like I know around when we played, the promoter told us it was around twenty five hundred <gasps> at that show, and that was huge. Like you look out and you're just like, this is so cool. Like you see oh, a sea of people yeah. all having fun, and like nobody even cares who you are. They're just like, this is free and awesome. You guys yeah. are having fun. <laughs> right? Did were you wicked nervous playing a, a group like that? I, not at that time, because by then I had already played. I've been playing shows for so long, like. I, I didn't really worry about it anymore. Like, that's where I start to feel like as soon as the guitars start ringing out, I'm like, this is my zone. Like, I'm here. Like, nothing else matters other than, like, what I'm doing right now, you know? Yeah. It's like it puts me in that, that hot state. spot where I'm like, I'm on. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing else matters in the world. Kind of like with training. Like, when you're there, you said, like, you got to be present in that mm-hmm. moment where yeah. when you're sparring, you can't be focusing on, like, oh, I got to do this tonight or this tonight or you'll get caught. Like, same thing with music. You can't be thinking about other stuff or you're going to forget what you're playing and make yourself look like a goon. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Mess up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Is there, a, like, a, a show that sticks out the most other than I Matter? Was I Matter, like, the best favorite show you've played? Or that, is there... That show was one of my favorites just because the 
the crowd and energy and like we had a lot of friends come and the sound the stage like the whole presentation like everything about that fest is it's great it's spot on you know what i mean like that was a lot of fun and then uh there's a festival in philly every year called this is hardcore yeah that was one of the other shows that was like one of the bigger shows and it was uh that was like one of the most fun shows i played too because it's the same thing like a ton of our friends came down and like got wild for it and had fun and it was just like it felt awesome to play yeah was there uh You've played how many? So ten different bands, you said, right? If I had to count, probably at least. <laughs> wow, is there? I don't know. Is there like a a band you had the most fun with, or like the best experiences with? And maybe you don't. Maybe you don't want to like rank them in a certain order. Um, Ghost Ship, I had the most fun with because we had like that was you built something really. That cool. was great times yeah like we traveled a lot, so we got to see and meet a lot of different people, and like I met some of the best people that I'm still friends with from that band, you know? Right. That, like, I'll still stay in contact with them, and, like, that's how I know them, you know? And Ghost Ship also, even if you're not in the hardcore scene, you Mm -hmm. think straight-edge hardcore, you think, you associate that with Ghost Ship. Like, I remember, (laughs) because when I was in high school, was 2009, we knew who Ghost Ship was because we were straight-edge kids, and we we enjoyed the shit out of your music yeah. because it was like it meant something to us at that time and, and it was wild hard. for me yeah it's wild right do you still have people coming up to you saying like hey I remember did you play Ghost yeah like, and I'll see people with like a shirt on at a show now and I'm like that's so weird but so cool like yeah. it still makes me stoked you know because it was something that we put a lot of time and energy into and it was something that we loved mm-hmm. you know so Hatebreed was the big influence right yeah is there so Hatebreed got you into hardcore? Yeah. Did it influence you when oh, you write yeah. your music, or is there other bands that they're are like still like? Top if I had to pick a top five, they're easily in my top five, just because of like it got me into a style of music I didn't know existed. So it's kind of like my gateway of like, yeah. holy crap! There's hundreds of bands that I love. The because gateway I found drug out. for the straight edge. Kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get high? So, like, I had heard of other bands, like, when I was younger, and uh, my sister's boyfriend at the time had VHS tapes of, like, Earth Crisis, and, like, but it was, like, a VHS tape, like, so you couldn't really, like, you know, it wasn't, like, a good recording, because it was, like, a live concert that looked like crap on someone's, like, VHS home tape. Remember they had to, like, like, edit the tracking on the VHS, (laughs) Like, there's lines everywhere. Yeah, like, what the hell? Yeah, so it was hard to, like tell what the bands really sounded like you know so yeah. it's just like ah, oh, that's kind of weird like it, like you see people jumping all over and it's nuts but like you couldn't get a good you know bite on what the band actually sounded like mm-hmm. and how like i feel like band chemistry has got to be super important absolutely right so how do you find the right niche of people Is it just like, like testing like I've been in good bands where it feels awesome it and feels right. it's fun and then I've been in bands where you're like, holy crap, why am I here? This is miserable. Like, you know, yeah. and like chemistry is huge. Like you have to enjoy who you're in the room with. Same thing with like anything, even yeah. like a sport or a hobby. Like anybody can either make it awesome or bring it down. Mm-hmm. And then you have to be able to write with those people, which is also hard. Like some people are incredible musicians. That's I was going to ask who writes music. Like is it's, it traditionally the band together is it one dude is it like each band i've been in has been a little bit different where 
sometimes like a guitar player will be like, I have this riff, let's just start playing it and work off this. Mm -hmm. So we'll just kind of put something together or like I'll start playing drums along to that riff and then you kind of just see where it goes. Like, so sometimes it'll, you'll end up with like a whole song just from freestyling it and being like, this felt totally right. right. You know what I mean? Where it's like almost effortless. Yeah. And then I've had times where, um, you know, uh, the current band I'm in, um, the guitar player had some really good drum ideas along with the guitars. So it was like the song was almost written, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it was like super easy for me to sit down and be like, I'll just tweak this and this or I'll tighten up this fill and then the song's done. You know what I mean? It just felt like it worked really good. And then I've been in bands where it's like, whew, where do we go? <laughs> like, right. we got nothing, you know? Or yeah. like, we'll start jamming and just be like, ah, today's a wash, you know? Like, how you got many, nothing. Like, how many days a week do you practice? Uh, right now, I don't have my drums where I can play all the time. Right, right. So I do it usually before I'm going to go down to practice in Pennsylvania I'll jam at home first mm -hmm. so I don't suck when I get there and then I'll play there before we play a show so like right now it's kind of like yeah. yeah so I don't get to actually just go play a lot like I try to like once a month-ish I'll try and just go play drums by myself to like it's a good outlet still for me to be musical and creative mm-hmm and it's still fun for me, you know what I mean? Like, I love to play music, and I love to play drums. Uh, I just don't get to with life being busy sometimes. Because <laughs> right. you, you're very much like me. You're very much a, a doer. You're yeah. just agendas full. Um, <laughs> when you set up for a show, do you have a particular... Is your setup, like, always the same? Like, you have everything situated a particular way? I... Right now, like, sometimes you'll go to a show and they'll say, like, we got drums backlined. Like, we'll have gear there to show up with breakables. So for drums, it's cymbals, snare, and kick pedal usually. Mm -hmm. So it makes it super easy to just show up and plug your pieces on. But it's almost never how your kit is at home. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard because it doesn't always feel natural in the place it is. Or something might be, like, a lot higher or lower than what you're used to. Yeah. So it actually does really affect how you play or feel. Yeah. Like, it kind of takes your confidence down a peg where you're like, ooh, this thing's over, like, a little bit farther than I'm comfortable with. So, like, if I do this fill, I got to be, like, really smooth or faster, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. if, like, the pieces are set up different. I the, I played a show recently where I got there, and it was set up for a left-handed drummer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is going to be a challenge. Left-handed drummer, huh? So I didn't I think the, there was a difference between a left-handed because you guys play with both hands. I yeah. would see guitar because it's... Flip -flop. I've seen some people that are left-handed be able to play on a traditional kit, and then I've seen people have to readjust and switch the kit entirely mirrored. Whoa. So, like, everything goes on the opposite side. So, yeah. like, when I got there and watched the first band play, I was like, damn, I got a lot of work to do to move this whole thing around in, like, five minutes, you know, right. where you only get a little bit of time. I'm such a control freak. I feel like, excuse me, I feel like uh, I'd want it to be set up the way I have it at home. That maybe that's oh, yeah. too much of my control getting yeah. in the way of things. Well, it's like, it's your comfort, like, where you know that that's your best performance. So, like, it feels perfect when you have your own stuff. It'd be like showing up to a, go, uh, a show and being, you know, like someone hands you a guitar that they tuned and set up themselves, where it's like, yeah. you, you, like, when you have your own gear and you're accustomed to having your setup, your your style, your feel. Like, there's so many different pieces of drums that you can buy, you know, mm -hmm. that so many different heads that play differently, they sound differently, you know? Where right. even just, like, having your seat, 
up higher or lower can make you play the drums different you know what I mean or like you're hitting the rim more or, you know it just doesn't feel the same yeah yeah it, it kind of changes the flow of everything yeah. yeah I would be so much of a control yeah. like, <laughs> no my seat needs to be exactly three feet off the ground it's hard not to <laughs> yeah, right, right. but also it's not fun to have to bring drums to everything all the time too you know so sometimes it's because nice drums is the biggest piece like oh, that's yeah. most of it right it's obnoxious how many pieces in a drum kit uh, mine's like if you break it down and then you get ready to bring it somewhere how many boxes are you thinking well I have a four piece drum set but then you have all your hardware all your cymbals your sticks your mm-hmm. seat your pedal so it ends up being quite a bit of stuff unless you break down everything and then it's just a lot of time you know Yeah. so it's not you can break it down pretty small but then it's just a lot of pieces to have to keep track of at a show when everybody's got their gear everywhere you know (laughs) so it gets to be a little bit too much sometimes too much just to handle all at once yeah that's interesting was uh there a one band that you got to perform with that you were like whoa i can't believe we're performing with hatebreed or somebody like who was there like that one band you're like i can't believe we get to train or we get to play with these dudes there's been so many good shows with good bands or just like good people and Hatebreed was the one show that I was like the most stoked ever for and it ended up being like the funniest flop of a set in my entire life like because everybody's messing up no so funny our guitar player broke his guitar while we were playing and had to like sit down on the cab to actually play I kicked through my bass drum head, which makes it virtually impossible to play drums anymore. Oh, my Lord. And you're on a show with a tour package where they don't want to let you use their gear because they have to tour more. Like, they yeah. can't let me break their shit. And After then, you just <laughs> broke yours. Yeah. Like, nobody in like, right oh, uh, be like, yeah, you can borrow mine. Yeah, here, uh, give your drums to the ogre. <laughs> like, you want your stuff broken so you yeah. can't tour? Yeah, like, right. So nobody gave us anything, and it was like... My dream show, I'm like, I get to play with my favorite band. Mm-hmm. And then I... Who was it? Who was your favorite band? Hatebreed. Oh, you got to play with Hatebreed. So we got to play, oh, okay. and then it ended up just being like, oh, man, what a mess. Yeah, right, just from top to bottom. Yeah. Damn. That's cool. Listen, Chris, I don't have anything else for you other than I love the shit out of you. You're dude, a great same. dude. You're a great, positive person. We need more people like you in this world. I appreciate you. So thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it, brother. Heck yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you.